1% is by Bossy Adam, produced by Ken Rich at Grand Sheet Recording, with scene music from John Swan. The song Hello is by Sleep Station, featuring Katherine Allison as Karen and Emily Wolf as Marsha. Every day is exactly the same. The guard is always there. He is never reading a magazine or watching a fuzzy television. Of course not. He has to be in his booth, staring straight ahead, so damn vigilant. But he doesn't know how long I wait, outside of the front door, peeking through its tiny square window. I gather my courage. I take three deep breaths. I make a fist and count to ten, and then I walk toward him and past him, hiding my meager dinner and tomorrow's breakfast at my side. Not in my coat, because then he might search me and and find three TV dinners. Each one of them has the brownie dessert that turns into a block of black plastic unless you microwave it just right. I am not obsessed with my privacy. I'm sorry to stop us here, Milton. Nothing to be sorry for. You're right. I'm just thinking about whether it's possible to, like, love somebody so much that you destroy them. Destroy them? Yeah. Like, if they become the only example of something about you, and it doesn't really exist in any way outside of that love... So if you lost them, this huge part of you would just be gone and you'd have no way to get it back. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just thinking about Simon and how he hurt somebody he loves just because he like wanted to love her more and more every single day. And all he could think about was loving her and he never learned how to love himself enough. And so she had to carry everything. She had to love him and she had to be the reason that he loved himself. So... You felt that way. I I haven't, but sometimes it felt like... Uh, I'm sorry, it's stupid. No, please, keep, keep talking. We're here because both of us know there's more to what we do than field reports. It's about what's in your heart. Well, it's mostly about that. No, it's... Let's just keep listening please. My problem is that every day I have to breathe a little bit more deeply and close my fist a little bit tighter to walk into this place. I could only do it for her. She sat perpetually upright on a stripped-down operating table, 
with three-quarters of her pale beige face on, missing the right side of her jaw, mostly. Half of her torso was exposed wiring, but the left side was covered with a plate that curved intimately below her ribs. Her legs were mostly struts and bundles of fuses at this point, but their casing sat neatly arranged on a table beside Simon Zoller, whose spacious lab was decorated by clear tarps draped at awkward angles over idled equipment. Just about everything was already inside of Elba. Her eyes were open, blank orange pupils without the slightest hint of spark behind them. She wasn't on yet. I'm telling this story from the beginning. I must admit I really don't understand it. Not for lack of information, I have plenty from his logs. I just can't understand how he taught her everything she knows or what mechanism or chemical reaction allowed it to be possible. I've seen the documentation, but these are words without meaning within sentences lacking subjects. What I can tell you is what it meant for him. Confronted with the task of teaching Elba language, beyond just definitions of words and the subjects of sentences, you might say Simon created a new way of speaking. He might have said that they developed it together, and that she was more like him than he was like himself, because he created her with his conscious mind, while his own was polluted with obsolete genetics. But I think Simon is wrong. Elba was passive a receptacle for his fears and dreams. When Simon opened the lab that evening, after willing himself past the guard, he regarded Elba woefully, like she wasn't what he expected. He took short, shuffling steps toward her. His face was hollow, with eyes wide open, vision obscured by thought. He ran his fingers through her hair halfway, then clutched it with a tender fist. It was real human hair black and thin. He nudged Elba until her body slid toward the end of the table, still upright with those empty orange eyes. Then, Simon took off his coat and laid himself in the small space beside her. He placed his hand on her head and color returned to his face. Hello, my friend. A warm smile. Did you get up today? His forehead met hers, metallic and cold, except for where her hair came between them. We can be everything, but only if you pass me your thoughts. He ran his hand up her back, warm thanks to the incomplete slab of polymer skin, and turned his fist with a grunt. Her eyes grew and there was a glow about them. Elba's neck turned deliberately toward him as if she were unsure that he was really there. He smiled when her eyes finally met his and said, I know where you were. Drawing lines to show just how far I'd gone away. Her reaction, if she were capable of such a thing, was imperceptible. His hands were clasped on his lap while he rested his head beside Elba's, projecting his thoughts against the lab's dark corners. He turned occasionally to examine Elba's eyes, whose glow reflected faintly on his pale skin. Simon was worried. Too distracted to begin the evening's work, he wasn't sure why he felt this weight at the bottom of his stomach. After all, there was no published literature on the expected social development of artificial beings. No peers for Elba to fall behind in school. 
She hadn't even been completed yet. Many of her internal organs sat on a metal tray beside him, wrapped in wrinkled plastic. But Simon Zoller had built every single piece of her. He could see in her eyes that she understood him at some level, and not just his words, but his feelings, the loneliness. But she couldn't understand what she meant to him, why it was so important for her to reach out and touch him, no matter how badly she might fail. It felt ominous. He tried to put it out of his head, reminded himself there was no evidence. He fished a digital recorder out of his pocket, placed it on the table beside Elba and cleared his throat. An annotated transcript of this recording follows. And yes, I stole his tapes. And no, I don't see anything wrong with that. See, our agency had invested remarkable sums in a man who was very possibly unstable. And that man entered into a partnership of his own free will with a government organization known only as the agency. One need not physically agree. Implication is more than enough. But I digress. This procedure will install Elba's frontal cortex. Upon completion, Elba will recognize that her actions have consequences which are determined by the social norms currently installed in her primary memory. It will allow Elba to apply the social standards to make a determination about whether her actions or communications are appropriate. It will allow Elba to modify her conduct toward others based on previous interactions with specific people or organizations. If successful, Elba will be safe to operate within a laboratory environment. I am now removing her upper brain plating. The eyes have faded to a standby gray as expected during maintenance. I am now installing the secondary rotors. This process should take about 40 minutes. Elbow must remain in standby gray, otherwise a flood of information may damage her memory cells. Do you hear me, Elba? Stay still. This will help you understand. 32 minutes elapse. No unexpected noises recorded. The routers are installed. I will now confirm the flow of data. Elba, what is new? New is together. Elba sounded feminine. Yes, but her voice was not unlike modern computer programs, with staccato delivery and a natural emphasis. Elba, what is new? You are asking again. Does this mean my response was not adequate? It is the only response available. No, your, your response is perfect, Elba. Uh, Elba? Yes? Return to standby, Gray. Why must I return to standby, Gray? <sighs> Elba. Why do you touch 
my cheek. Because you are beautiful, Alba, I want you to know that you are allowed to ask questions. Questions are good. Do you understand? I have always understood now. Can understand what can be asked and what can be answered. Energy flow has been confirmed. I will now install the cortex and replace Elba's upper brain plating. Elba, anything can be answered. Okay, you must return to standby gray because I am completing your systems. It would be unsafe for you to remain in an active orange state. After you enter standby mode, flash your gray eyes at me twice to confirm you are able to stay in that state until I tell you to reactivate. Elba's eyes have flashed twice. I am now installing the frontal cortex. I'm now installing the, the full cortex. Installation of the cortex is complete. Energy leakage from Elba during standby approached 14%. Still within safe parameters, but I need to perform a diagnostic after today's work. The balance between her memories and her motor functions is likely to be uneven. No critical errors are expected, so long as Elba does not move around too much until I diagnose the problem and correct it. Uh, given her newfound inquisitiveness, I have manually disabled the power connection to her legs. Elba, you can become active now. Elba, your eyes are still gray. You can enter an active orange state now. Elba? Are you okay? Elba? It's safe now. You, 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 can, you, can, you, can, you can reactivate. Elba? I'm done. Your frontal cortex has been fully... It's been fully installed. Please. <laughs> you have to try. I, I have some more energy here. You, you don't need to save it. Please. <laughs> oh, oh, um, 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 Elba's eyes remain in gray state. None of her data has been lost. It is possible that there is a delay in data conversion, but, but I, I cannot safely uninstall the cortex until after an active state energy flow. I do not mean to cause you grief, my energy usage. Uh, don't stop. Save your energy. Save it. Don't speak, Elva. <laughs> Yeah, your eyes, uh, <sighs> your eyes are still gray, um, uh, Elba's eyes are still gray, even though she communicated information generated from the new frontal cortex. Elba, 
Why aren't you in an active state? I require 11 minutes. Data conversion has been delayed due to abnormalities in... Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Elba, you don't say anything. Earlier, when you asked me why, I touched your cheek. I said, it's because you're beautiful, but that, it, is, it, it, is, it isn't just that. You are the most beautiful thing. You mean everything. You are everything. Agent James? Hey. Yeah, I'm sorry to just drop in like this. My hands were deep in my pockets of my suit jacket. I walked toward him casually, slowly. The lab surprised me. With all the tarped-over equipment covered in dust, I hadn't even noticed Elba on the table behind him. Based on the recording, he must have thrown a blanket over her while I was gawking at all the baffling gear peeking out from under plastic wrapping. Uh, please, it's no problem at all, a- Agent. He corrected himself. Karen. I smiled and nodded. He seemed to perspire. I squinted, and then I pointed at his face. Your eyes are red. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He wiped the corners of his eyes with each wrist. It's, no, just some battery acid earlier. I'm all right. I smiled. He was confused at me. I just bit my lip and glanced around again, hands still deep in my pockets. It's a, a big lab. That's true, even by my standards, and it's only me working in here. Is there anyone you want to work with who could pass a security clearance? Simon laughed. Karen, one percent. I had nearly forgotten. I smiled and shook my head at the floor. Simon just left us with that silence. Sure, that I was about to tell him why I came, or at least my excuse for coming. I was tired, and too lightly made up to cover the bags under my eyes. I was lost in my thoughts, working on mindless instinct. Simon, on the other hand, was alert with fear. Nobody was supposed to see Elba, not yet, especially his supervising agent, and at such a precarious time. I think he feared alternately that Elba might speak that he might cry or that without a proper introduction to his methods, I might be horrified by Elba's human replica form. And what if Elba told me what she was feeling? That she was feeling. His 11 minutes would be up soon. He would have to make a move. Would you like to go somewhere and chat? There's a coffee machine and a break room, two floors up. Simon sounded nothing like himself. I think that's part of why I liked him so much. When he gets desperate, he becomes polite. I raise my eyebrows at him. Come on, you aren't going to show me Elba? Somewhere in that 99%. I know there's a respect for agency procedure, Karen. Ugh. You too? Mm. Fine, show me the way.
Chapter 4. I'm guessing you didn't come here for the coffee, Simon said, confronted by a flooding, buzzing fluorescent lighting and two half-full coffee tins with nozzles that needed a jiggle before they could dispense their warm slurry. The break room was empty, a mess of tables with coffee stains, sugar grains, and brown paper packets scattered as if thrown by a gust of wind. This area of the building required a set of physical keys, which hung in a big loop on Simon's belt. The guard, who had become a fixture of Simon's paranoia, was employed only to make sure nobody entered the lab besides me, Simon, and Marsha. The coffee was your idea, Simon. I replied as I skeptically eyed my styrofoam cup, swishing it around like I was checking for bugs. Well, I'm glad you humored my invitation. He had this put-on smile. Perhaps courtesy would dissuade me from returning to the lab where Elba lay, immobile under a thin cloth. I gulped the coffee and made a face. It's 10 p.m., Simon. It might be a little late for this. He shrugged, and I went on, opening a mischievous grin. 
this is more of what I had in mind. Honestly, I can't remember why I had a small bottle of scotch in my purse. I dumped the rest of Simon's coffee into my cup, filled his with the pungent brown liquor, and made a move to take a swig straight from the bottle. But I stopped an inch from my mouth. To hard work and late nights. I cringed at myself. Cheers. Simon toasted. He made a disgusted face, probably the scotch fumes, as he brought the cup to his lips. He didn't try to hide from me that it had merely touched his tongue. Sorry, I still have some complicated tasks to pull off tonight. Oh, come on, Simon. I leaned in. Just think of all the great scientists who did groundbreaking work with this magic coursing through their veins. Like who? Well, you, for instance. Simon guffawed, somewhat flattered, and then considered Elba. He felt himself begin to turn white with anxiety and brought the cup to his mouth. It's hard to argue against that logic. We smiled at one another. It's like you're waiting for me to ask. It's past 10 on a Friday. Why are you here? I was thinking about how you called her she? Elba? I guess I'm here because I was just overcome. My curiosity. Well, I think it's a common thing for people like me to anthropomorphize their experiments, especially when we spend so much time researching just one subject. What you've offered the agency is nothing short of incredible. Don't be fooled by their sending me a rookie agent to look after you. You? A rookie? No. And here I thought the young woman who showed up at my lab on a Friday night with a handle of whiskey was a respected veteran. You do realize the kind of people you work with, right? I rolled my eyes and took another drink of scotch. Simon did too. This was working. So... Why did the agency choose you? To beguile me with your good looks? This isn't the only project I'm working on, Simon. But they all are supposed to be related. I'm managing some confidential spaceflight projects for the next few years. Simon shook his head slowly. It's all coming together now. You're... Elva. I would have thought we were 20 or 30 years away from this kind of technological advancement. Unmanned spaceflight with reactive piloting technology that's as skilled and responsive as a human being? Yeah, it's amazing. My eyes must have been so wide as I whacked the table with the side of my hands for emphasis. For me, it's hard to even imagine all of the potential applications for this kind of research. I mean... You do realize that your proposal is tantamount to saying you're going to build us an artificial intelligence, right? He was quiet for a moment and finished his cup. Is that what they're saying at the agency? Without revealing classified information? I leaned toward him, pouring more into his cup. That is what they're saying. But what are you saying? I'm saying... Simon drank again. The graying scientist rarely had occasion to drink. At academic parties, he might have nursed one or two. But he had been on leave working on Elba for how long? He probably couldn't even remember anymore. The months and years would have come together in a senseless blur some time ago. I'm saying that you did not misread my proposal. I slammed into the back of my chair so hard I almost fell over. 
But somehow, I stuck a toe onto the floor and brought the front legs down with a loud clack. My mouth was hanging open. Maybe I was a little drunk. I could see that he regretted bragging, probably because now I might demand to see Elba. He drank with a stone look on his face, sort of twitching like he was trying to animate himself. I'm just telling you things you already know, Karen. Elba's not some kind of rocket ship or a perpetual motion machine. Just a pilot. It's true. I smiled and raised my scout's honor fingers. Really, honestly, I didn't come here to break any rules, all right? I I just came to talk. He leaned forward like he would tell me a secret. You know, people don't often come to me for my conversational skills. You just seem like a person who could maybe understand me. I looked into his eyes. That's rare. Are you saying I was right about you? One percent? This time, he didn't say it maliciously. It's hard to think of a friend I've had these past ten years who I wasn't ordered to lie to, and there's not a single one I didn't lie to. I took a breath. All of that deception, it makes you feel like you don't deserve people, so I backed away from them. But you were telling me about cybernetics and love. I'm still not sure I understood, but it felt like the first true thing anyone told me in so long. I shook my head, feeling vulnerable. I guess I came here... I guess I came to hear something true again. He didn't know what to say. Then his pocket buzzed. Oh, Marsha, great to hear from you, he said, answering the phone. I waved my arms frantically in front of my face, mouthing, No, I am not here. Yes, yes, there haven't been any setbacks. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the probability should be 93% at this point. Time for her to... uh, No. The, um... His eyes darted toward me before he redirected them to a distant spot on the floor. I... I think it's too soon. But I'm not making that choice. There is... His eyes darted to me again, and this time Simon cringed when he pulled them away. It it doesn't seem like there is any reason for you to ask for my permission at this point. No, I completely understand that Karen supports me. Really, Marsha... Yeah, I, I don't need to be convinced. Yes, good night. He hung up. I gave him a little smirk. I tapped my finger on the table. The accumulation of events was getting to him. Elba, the supervising agent with too much time on her hands, Marsha's call, the guard in the hallway, regret over his TV (laughs) dinner choices, and now the alcohol flooding his brain and arresting his judgment. I couldn't help it. I laughed at him. My face turned red, my shoulders bounced. Then he giggled a little bit. He didn't know why. Before long, the room filled with our shouts and yelps. Simon fell sideways out of his chair, curled up in a ball, convulsing. I pointed at him and pounded the table with my palm until Simon's cup slipped off the edge of the table and onto his face, which was mostly covered by his hand. 
Now I fell to my knees, trying to apologize, barely getting past the word I'm before sucking in more breath for another fit of laughter. Simon licked the back of his palm like a cat, still in the fetal position as whiskey dripped down his chin onto the floor. A few minutes later, I crawled back up into my chair, exhausted, as Simon splashed his face with water at the break room sink. You call me Karen 1%, but Marsha is really into the rules and regulations, I think. If she finds out I'm here, I'll never hear the end of it. I was getting to like our scientist. So why couldn't I stop trying to manipulate him? I never got that impression from her. Maybe she just doesn't trust you. Trust me? I asked as Simon returned. My arms were still lax at my side as I slumped in the chair, collecting myself. She hardly even knows me. We just met. Simon shrugged. I've known her for a few months now. That woman is relentlessly kind. But Marsha hardly knows anything about Elba. Simon's heart dropped at the mention, his thoughts returning to her in the lab. She could barely give me a coherent progress report. I told you she was kind. Simon was already cursing himself for his next words. I really don't want anyone to know until she is ready. I don't think any of you would understand. Not until you see the finished product. He felt guilty for calling her a product and drew into himself, morose. I didn't respond, guessing that if I gave him enough silence, he would fill it. Simon wanted to tell me something, but first, he needed to tell himself that he didn't have another option. It's just that when people like you hear the words artificial intelligence, it sounds crazy, like someone is trying to play God. And, and then you imagine a mad scientist in his lab who doesn't give a damn about the consequences of his work. Or, or maybe you imagine that the AI will replicate and enslave humanity, but it, it isn't like that at all. Simon spoke as if he had given this speech in his head countless times. It was so well-practiced, his pauses seemed dramatic, his voice uncharacteristically even. You imagine that I am working on a system that can pilot a ship and make adjustments on the fly with creativity. But that's not it at all. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Instead, I am taking everything that I know and love and putting it together in one form. And the closer I get, the more likely it is that Elba will understand why someone like her is needed for this kind of mission, once she understands people and why we must explore, she will become the creative super pilot your agency craves so badly. I hummed thoughtfully and slid him the bottle. I'm bad, I know. She is so much more than just a pilot, Simon went on unprompted. She has this, this way about her, like she wants to learn, but she's embarrassed about what she doesn't know. It's like she can feel the pressure I'm putting on her, and I don't mean to, but she can sense it when I look at her, that I believe in her abilities so much. But right now, when she looks at those abilities, she doesn't see much of anything, and it scares her. It scares her? Of course. Who wouldn't be frightened? 
He crossed his arms on the table and leaned in. Imagine yourself in her situation. You wake up knowing almost everything, and you never even fell asleep. And everything you know is just raw information in disconnected fragments, and you don't really know why you know it or how to use it. And the one person you've ever seen keeps adding to your capabilities and transmits looks and emotions to you through his eyes. And and you don't know what they mean, but they're enough to understand that you are meant to achieve something. But even he doesn't know whether you will ever be able to do it. That makes me wonder why you would ever agree to let... At this point, I steeled myself and co-opted Simon's terminology to let her work for the agency in the first place. Why would you give her up to this? I couldn't spend my whole life chasing love, Karen. The agency's resources are endless. He shook his head thoughtfully. Karen, if you have the choice, if you have the chance to fall in love right now, true love, Would you take it if it might not last more than a few months? Or wouldn't you wait 20 years and have the certainty that it could be yours until the end? I... I... I considered his question instead of my strategy. That's not a decision people can make. I don't know how I would decide. It's a decision I made, Karen. That's why we're here. Well... The agency thinks we're here to fix tangible problems and to explore the great unknown. Simon looked distressed. I can't think of anything more fitting than love, Simon. He smiled and exhaled, relieved not only that I seemed to understand, but also that maybe any government agent could understand. I am eager, Simon. But if you aren't ready to show me, I can put off the official demonstration until you're comfortable. The thought of more time to obsess about the agency's first encounter with his creation paralyzed him. And he could hardly breathe when he thought about what these past few months had done to him. It was the anxiety after every progress report to Marsha, the sleeping in his lab, afraid that the agency would come and take her away in the night. He couldn't conduct an official demonstration now, but maybe my approval would give his nerves some rest. Come on, Simon said suddenly so that he wouldn't change his mind. I palmed my face. Underneath the blanket, of course. Simon smiled as he drunkenly sauntered over to Elba. It's not your fault. I can be quite conniving. He clutched the blanket in his hands. Are you ready? Wait, I said urgently. What does Elba stand for? Simon rolled his eyes. The island Napoleon was exiled to? He pulled the cover from her head downward. He didn't take his eyes off me as he revealed the rest of her form and braced for my reaction. Elba's body was mesmerizing. You couldn't mistake it for human, of course, with the patches of metal covering the knees, chest and half of her face, yet there was something so real about her presence. Lying still on that operating table, eyes open and orange, but lost in a fog. And she was warm. I 
could feel it around Elba's body, the same kind of warmth I felt from Marsha or anyone else whose body seems to carry just a bit more heat than normal. It was one thing to listen and nod and smile when Simon lectured me about reinventing love, but quite another to see his invention laid out on a table with breasts, curved hips, and supple red lips. The patch between her legs wasn't yet complete, but it seemed like he might be planning to install it. I had to stop my train of thought. Simon might see it on my face. You're telling me you can turn her on? Damn it. Freudian slip or something. Simon turned pale and stiff like an old photograph. I smiled and asked again, perfectly innocent. Of course. Elba, what is new? My... You can talk with her? Cortex is installed, my legs are deactivated, and I have observed a female for the first time. Can I talk to her? You really shouldn't. I, I haven't... Hi, Elba. My name is Karen. How are you doing? Hello, Karen. I froze. Not because I was surprised but there was something in the texture of her voice that entered me. Then it inhabited me. It was like I was so full of her voice that I couldn't do anything but process it. A moment later, the feeling faded to the back of my head. Wait, what does that mean? Did that mean something? Well, I think... I think there are a lot of things I'm trying to figure out myself. Come on, let's, let's let's hear her tell it. I know that I am not ready, but Simon has worked diligently to be sure that you are impressed. He has been so kind, helping me to learn about the world. I only need more time. Please do not take me away. I am not used to my feelings, but I have fear that I will not learn everything he means to teach me. And I have fear that I will think about him forever, but he will never appear. I, um, couldn't think of anything to say. I turned to Simon. She knows about me? Well... He did something nervous with his fingers. I, I had to teach her conversational language, and so I tell her about my life while I'm working on her. I never told her you'd be taking her away. Is my answer displeasing to... I jumped at the sound of her voice. The diction was fine, but it was so strident. Mournful even, as if she might break into tears for being wrong. Shh, Elba, it it's okay. Don't worry about it. You don't need to talk now. He reassured her. I thought of a father over his daughter's hospital bed, or maybe a husband beside his wife. I touched Simon's shoulders. Relax, it's all right. I told you, this isn't official. I'm just curious. Oh, okay, right. Sorry. I, I've imagined this day for so long. Uh, I'm a little bit out of it. I laughed and rubbed my forehead. I really enjoyed his sincerity. Me too, Simon. It's late. I'll go soon, I swear. Can I just talk to her a little bit more? This is incredible. I didn't wait for his permission this time either. Elba, 
tell me what you think about flying, being a pilot. I would love to study flight. I live in this lab. Flying is the freest thing I can imagine. What else do you imagine, Elba? Being alone with Simon somewhere else. He is so nervous in this room. I used to think that it was me who makes Simon nervous, but he told me that it was this room. I would like to go and see a place that makes him happy so that I can see how it feels. Then I imagined that I would learn how to be happy myself and we could share it together. Simon, I grinned at him. I think someone has a crush. Elba hadn't finished. I imagine that Simon touches me more. Why do you imagine that? Simon cringed helplessly, watching a nightmare unfold. So that I know somebody else is feeling the same feeling I feel. Simon chuckled nervously. You see that she has a a lot to learn about human interactions. He said, but Elba hadn't finished. I imagine because sometimes I am lonely and I think it would feel good to be touched. Looks like she doesn't have so much to learn after all, Simon. I nudged him with my elbow. But why does she need to be able to speak like this? Because it's it's more complicated than flying. Simon stuttered with his pupils under his eyelids. It, 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 it's a proof of concept. I nodded and reached out to Elba's still, metallic left hand. It was very nice to meet you, Elba. I'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Thank you for seeing me. It was my pleasure.
Outside the lab, Simon leaned on the closed door. He looked drained. I put my hand on his shoulder. She's incredible. She really is. I understand why you kept her from us for so long. Somebody might have stopped you, but once they see her now, like this, they will understand why you built it this way. Why I built her this way. I almost corrected myself, but I clutched his arm warmly instead and left Simon alone outside his lab. Now I understood. This elbow would become the greatest invention of the 21st century, or the biggest scandal in the history of the agency.